You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this. You'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, have you ever had the feeling that you were being watched? Well, depending on where you live, chances are you actually might have been. There are a lot of factors that calculate a property's value. Location to good schools, neighborhood, updates, and whether or not it's haunted. We analyze the paranormal component of the real estate market. We've all heard it. Fake it till you make it. But is it true? We'll explore if there's really any power in turning that frown upside down. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, my boy, are you a fan of the 1998 Jim Carrey film, or should I say Jim Carrey classic, The Truman Show? Yeah, I would probably put it in like my top five favorite movies of all time. I love The Truman Show, if you couldn't already tell. If you haven't seen it, or if you haven't heard of it, the film stars Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank, a normal man, an everyman with a very ordinary life. Wife, kids, stable job, decent house, couple close friends. Except one thing isn't so normal about Truman. You see, unbeknownst to him, his life is literally a live TV show. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. His entire hometown is nothing more than a large TV set with actors portraying the townspeople, even his family. Truman, adopted by the television studio as a baby, you know, very realistic, has lived his entire life live, on the air, unaware, as they say. He's filmed by thousands of tiny cameras as he goes about his everyday life. And Jay, while at least I hope not, even though I've always kind of wondered if the Truman Show could be happening to me or to you, but Jay, while we don't live our lives on the air, uh, unaware, we are, more often than we think, actually being watched. Chances are that if you live in a major city and often feel that you're being watched, you probably are. As the dynamics of the world have changed, with over 55% more people living in urban areas than in just 2007, so with it has grown the surveillance industry. With the vast majority of cameras working to prevent crime, surveillance cameras have become almost as prevalent as people. Like Jay taking out China for now, which we will get to in a minute, the footprint of camera usage has exploded. Take India, for example. The second largest country by population, cities like Indoor India feature 63 cameras per thousand people. And Jay, we're talking populations in the millions. The lone U.S. city to crack the top 10 in terms of camera prevalence is Los Angeles. The nearly 4 million residents of L.A. are being monitored by over 35,000 cameras, which comes out to about 9 per thousand people. And certain more affluent areas of L.A. often hold the vast majority. Beverly Hills, for example, a popular celebrity home residential area, has over 2,000 cameras just in its city limits. 
Jay, that's about 60 cameras per thousand people. Now, let's move over to China. Now, in China, it really does almost feel like a real-life Truman Show. Jay, China, a country well-documented for its widespread governmental control, is believed to be home to over 50% of all the cameras in the world. As of 2021, over 1 billion surveillance cameras were registered to use in China. But due to population density, even that number could be low. And it could be very, very low. Some estimates conclude that China has more than 400 cameras per thousand people. And even more Truman Show-like is China's documented use of cameras for facial technology recognition. The country runs a social credit program, which basically means that local governments have an insane amount of oversight with their citizens. In China, camera systems can be used to justify ATM withdrawals, permit people access into their own homes, and in some instances have been used to publicly shame people for petty crimes like jaywalking, which really makes me glad that I don't live in China. I jaywalk seriously like 10 times per day. (laughs) Funny enough, though, Jay, while Truman did, and most of us would, hate this level of big brotherness, the vast majority of Chinese citizens think it's a good thing. A 2018 survey reported by the Visual Capitalist found that 80% of respondents thought this level of watchfulness was good for society. But Jay, I don't know about you, but I don't really look the same when I get up in the morning. So I'd hate to be denied access back into my house just because I took my dog out to pee. You know, there's a famous scene in the Truman Show where uh, his his best friend, uh, you know, they're losing kind of reality. Marlin. Yeah, they're, they're kind of losing uh, Truman's reality. He's starting to figure it out. And so his best friend has this very emotional moment where he sits down, obviously all scripted because his best friend's an actor. But he sits down and he's, Truman, if everyone's lying to you, then I'm, I'm lying to you too. Just to try to, you know, keep him in the simulation. So I, I uh, love at the end when it all starts falling. <laughs> apart and uh, his wife is looking right into one of the cameras doing it like an ad <laughs> also one of the great all-time endings of a movie it is uh, it we'll is. spoil I, it because you know we want people to watch it for the first time if you never watched it but one of the great all-time uh, land of course i think the the limit on when you can spoil something has to have been done for the truman show i mean 1998 yeah but we're telling maybe some people about it for the first time that's true that's true Um, He gets out. (laughs) Well, Dave, in the world of paranormal, uh, are you a believer in ghosts? I think I probably know the answer, but I'll give you at least the opportunity to sort of explain yourself. Yeah, not going to shock you. I'm well documented on this show as saying that I am not a believer in aliens, and aliens and ghosts are basically best friends. So don't believe in ghosts either. But here's to, to be fair, you, it's not even just that aliens have or have not visited our planet. It's that you don't believe that intelligent life exists like anywhere except Earth. This is like the tenth time we've had this conversation on this podcast. <laughs> but I do think intelligent life exists, but it's in the form of like moss. It's <laughs> see, that's what it's I'm not a being. Yeah. It's not a person. It's like a, a a little spectacle of dust. Yeah, you don't let Bigfoot happen. You know, you don't let any of them. I mean, you did try to catch the Loch Ness monster on live video for about a year in seventh grade or something. But ghosts are out. You're saying you're out on ghosts. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. So we just got past Halloween, and even though I don't believe in ghosts, my neighbor has this huge, like thirty foot zombie in his yard. 
And I, it feels good to me, just to be honest. And I feel like on our show, I can just be honest. So tonight, I, I typically park in front of our house, and I parked behind our house, which it's very dark. And so I ran to my car uh, because that huge thing was back there. And there's a part of me that thought, well, he could come to life. Even if it's a 1% chance, you know, you just have to be safe. Well, Dave, Helen Ackley, who lived in her Nyack, New York home for nearly three decades, had a pretty good piece of property to sell when the time finally came. Her home was Victorian. It was close to New York City. It had a nice view of the Hudson River. There was only one problem, though, Dave. Well, really three problems. Helen believed that three separate mid-1800s ghosts haunted the property. In 1989, an out-of-town bond trader from New York City named Jeffrey Stambovsky quickly dropped a $32,000 down payment on the modestly priced $650,000 home. But after speaking to the locals, he decided he wanted to back out of the deal because of the home's spooky reputation. Stambovsky sued, and in a landmark New York Supreme Court case, a 3-2 decision was ruled in Stambovsky's favor. As a matter of law, the house is haunted, wrote Justice Israel Rubin for the court in a ruling which would later become known as the Ghostbusters ruling. And while Stambovsky versus Ackley is at its core just sort of funny and a quirky example of our legal system at work, it also highlights something very important, which is that really shaky and always evolving foundations hold up the value of our homes in the real estate market. The value of a home rests on what is or isn't desirable. Big kitchen, good school district, original hardwood floors, all good things for value. Late 1800s ghosts floating across the property? Not so much. And while the case just discussed may on the surface seem unique, paranormal activity affecting property prices is actually more common than you may think. Companies actually exist across the country that can be hired to clear homes of anything supernatural before a sale, for example. Four states actually have specific laws on the books regarding paranormal activity and home sales, according to Zillow. Ghostly reputations can kill the value of a home where demand is ever important. Even if just 10% of buyers, Dave, for example, believe the ghost story surrounding your home, that significantly reduces the value of your property and most likely will drop your final sale number. And Dave, 10% may even be too conservative because the reality of ghosts is at least accepted by more people than you may think. According to Vox, a 2009 Pew survey found that nearly a fifth of Americans say they have seen or been in the presence of a ghost. And a 2019 YouGov poll found that 45% of Americans believe in ghosts, demons, and other supernatural beings. David Chapman, a real estate professor for the University of Central Oklahoma, told Fox that he had several clients refuse to buy property for supernatural reasons, and even had a client carry a sort of Geiger counter-looking box through every room in a home to determine if the home was safe to buy or not. You can even research the potential of spirits in your home through websites like diedinhouse.com, where you can pay $11.99 to get a report on whether or not anyone has ever died in a home that you're considering purchasing. And Dave, although some homes with troubled pasts like the sites of murders or deaths have to rebrand themselves to sell at asking price, such as an address change, some do just fine baggage and all. I mean, even the childhood home of Jeffrey Dahmer found a buyer a few years ago. 
And while all this is funny on some level, it also is kind of sobering on another. A home is for most Americans, the most expensive and valuable asset they'll ever invest in. For most homeowners, the home is an investment in their retirement or a nest egg for their children. Although a lot of factors are under the control of the homeowner, such as upkeep and maintenance or improvement projects, there is a lot outside of a homeowner's control too affecting the value of their home, such as schools, neighborhoods, and nearby property values. Home ownership is a risk on many levels and something so out of your control, like the rumor that your house is haunted to me, highlights this volatile nature of this industry. Sometimes, unfortunately, investments are affected greatly by things out of our control. And in the housing market, this is especially true. So Esquire, a couple years ago, did a list of the most famous ghosts of all time. Uh, and, and I will okay. say there are some movie spoilers since we've been talking about spoilers on this episode in this list. So, uh, for example, I think at this point I can also spoil the sixth sense. Um, yeah, so you're on just a spoiler. I, apparently, spoiler you never today. said it. You, you, you really just... don't know how the day's going to unfold. So, <laughs> spoiler alert, about to spoil another movie. So, just uh, woke up ready to spoil. Yeah, so the main character from The Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis, is dead. Uh, he's on this list. So, what do you think, Jay? What's your guess? The most famous ghost of all time, according to Esquire. Maybe Casper? Ooh, you got it. Oh, okay. See, I know my ghosts. Jay, I remember a poster that hung, very vividly, I remember this, a poster that hung in my high school that said it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. So give your muscles a break and smile more. Have, have you ever heard that? Do any situations in your life come to mind where you wanted to frown, but maybe you made yourself smile just to try to make it better? Well, I'm specifically thinking about uh, in my youth, I grew up in church as you know, I know that you did and probably a lot of listeners did. And uh, one of the core parts of church youth group is the the Christmas play. And so I was cast in the Christmas play as a pretty important role. It was something like Joseph or something, you know, had singing part. Yeah. Know, something very, very important. Well, uh, there was a kid off on vacation visiting his family who was kind of better at singing and acting than me. And so when he came back from vacation, they uh, you know, sort of gave him the role. So I was... Uh, without a part, so they cast me as a camel, right? <laughs> so uh, I had to wear a camel sh- uh, suit. It had a huge head. My my head hole was carved in the Couldn't neck. Couldn't even of the give camel. you another human role. I, I know, exactly. Couldn't even be a shepherd. He couldn't put one more shepherd couldn't in there. Couldn't even take you to shepherd. And literally, level. there was a girl who would, who led me across the stage by like a leash. <laughs> I bring this up because I specifically remember my parents telling me like, all right, you got to just own it. Like, uh, I know it, it's not ideal, but like just smile and get out there and do your best. Well, whether or not it made you happier, it's made me happier. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's worked for at least one of us. But Jay, some research says that it does take 43 muscles to frown while only takes 17 to smile. So, you know, the poster would be true. The truth is, though, Jay, because everyone smiles or frowns differently, it's impossible to know. So while that may be hard to be sure of, the real question, though, that we're concerned with today is what those posters were really trying to get across. Can faking a smile when you don't feel like it, when maybe you thought you were Joseph, but you've actually been cast as the camel, 
Can that actually improve your mood? Should we, as we often hear it phrased, and as your parents told you, fake it till we make it? Jay, known as the facial feedback hypothesis, forcing a smile even when you don't feel like it has long been something that we've told ourselves and others to do. If you fake the feelings, they will come. But does it work? Well, according to a new study published in the journal Human Nature Behavior, yes, The study, led by Nicholas Coles at Stanford, recruited nearly 4,000 people from different countries around the world and ran an offbeat kind of experiment. To make sure that they wouldn't accidentally skew the results, Coles and his colleagues made sure that none of the participants in the study actually knew what the study was about, the power of an artificial smile. Each participant, Jay, was given what they referred to as decoy instructions, like simple hand gestures to try when asked, random things to bury the real intent of trying to see if a forced smile did anything. Some volunteers were asked to do things like place a pin between their teeth or quickly smile for no reason, both things that force the muscles into smile formation, while others were asked to keep a neutral expression or do tasks with no mention of smiling. Participants were also asked to solve math problems, a task that meant absolutely nothing, but was used solely once again to hide the true intent of the research. So Jay, the result of all of this, happiness increases for those smiling or even mimicking a smile by doing something like holding a pen in their mouths. Cole concluded that the conscious experience of smiling does in fact tangibly raise your mood. But Jay, as with any study like this, it's not always perfect. A 2019 study by the American Psychological Association found that service workers, particularly those in food services, who felt compelled to fake smile as part of their employment and, you know, get better tips, well, they had a very high risk of becoming alcoholics due to suppressing their feelings. (laughs) Basically smiling and saying, oh, I'm sorry your steak isn't prepared perfectly, instead of slapping the customer in the face, did actually negative things to the person. Makes sense. It it does, doesn't it? Jay, I will say, though, there's also some research that is uh, in favor of permanently smiling, you know, kind of like the Joker from Batman. A 2009 study from researchers at the University of Cardiff in Wales found that a small group of extreme Botox users were happier on average because they literally couldn't frown. So, Jay, no need to worry about a thing. I'll book an appointment on your behalf. Here we come, Botox. Yeah, maybe next time I get cast in some minor role instead of a major role in a a theater production, I'll just uh, remember this segment. I'll just remember to smile through it. Maybe I'll... You know, come off uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit happier on stage. I thought you were going to say, I'll, and I'll schedule a quick Botox injection right before the play. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Trump. We'll see you next week. So I've never told you the story about how I had to go to my senior prom with somebody I didn't know. <laughs> no, but it lines up. I can't believe I've never told you this before. <laughs> well, okay. So 
picture this. It's 2007. I'm a senior in high school. I am um, wanting to go to prom, you know, because everybody's going to prom. Uh I wasn't dating anyone, but there was a girl who I was friends with uh, who had been dating a guy for a really long time, and they broke up just like a month before prom or something like that. So I just kind of asked her like, hey, look, everybody's kind of got dates. You don't have one now. I don't have one. Let's just go together so we can go and have a good time, right? Yeah. So she's like, yeah, that sounds great. So we do, I mean, we like get the matching stuff. Like we like match the colors. We like, you know, get the, I mean, everything's planned out. You know, we're going to go here before it's like two weeks before prom and she gets back together with her boyfriend. Okay. Now they today are married and have kids and stuff. So whatever. But at the time, uh, she just kind of called me and was like, Hey, um, yeah, we're back together. So I'm going to go to prom with him. So I'm wow. kind of like, man, well, I'm definitely like not able to go now. I could go like a loser by myself, but like, there's no one left. Like everyone's like, so Craigslisted you know. somebody. So <laughs> no, it's not that bad. So one of my <laughs> friends who just, uh, you know, just came to the rescue, she was bringing uh, her date from out of town. So she called him and was like, Hey, is there anyone else that you're kind of friends with that you could bring with you? <laughs> because my friend doesn't have a date. So he's like, sure. So he brings a girl with him from uh, a town that's pretty far away from us. And the first night we ever met really uh, was at prom. And so we had this very awkward night. It ended up being fine. Like it you're was like, and that it was person's fun, now my wife, but it was <laughs> no, <laughs> but it was extremely awkward. 